It's been said that America has the worst form of government in the entire world. Well, except for all the rest. But if you've been following the news recently, you've probably noticed a growing number of Americans, especially those adding their names to the Democrats' list of presidential contenders, touting the idea that a more socialist form of government might be just what the doctor ordered for America. And since more and more of America's so-called thought leaders have been singing this socialist tune, well, we're finding that more and more of our own kids are beginning to hum right along with it. Fox News recently reported that 57% of 18 to 34-year-olds now believe that socialism would actually be a good thing for America. But is that true? Well, we'll find out next as we learn how to talk to our kids about socialism. This is Licensed to Parent. Well, hello, fellow parent, and welcome to our program. If this is your first time joining us, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, which is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. Our host on the program is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, uh, this move towards socialism is picking up uh, too much steam for my comfort. Yeah. Did you ever think that in our lifetime, America would even be hinting at such an idea of socialism? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but but the handwriting has actually been on the wall since the Cultural Revolution of the 60s, Rich, which introduced a postmodern way of thinking uh, to our society. And what we're seeing uh, today is the logical outworking of that worldview uh, that got started back then, uh, when we surrender moral absolutes for moral relativism, then logic and reason go out the window for feelings and emotion. Uh, we become entitled and, and get used to having things our way all the time. Our reality becomes subjective rather than objective, so we can idealize mm -hmm. things and basically create our own reality. Pastors start feeling a whole lot greener on the other side. But facts don't care about your feelings. Right. Uh, yet if you're a college kid with an accruing mountain of student loan debt or a high school kid, you know, looking at, at uh, your friend's necktie-deep dungeon of debt, then free college and no college debt sounds pretty appealing. But what a lot of our kids aren't aware of is their history, uh, and in this case, the history of socialism. I'm not sure socialism has worked very well anywhere it was tried. So today's parents have to ask themselves a few questions. First, what am I doing to educate my kid about American political history? Uh, two, how do I want my political history to affect my child's political, social, economic, and professional future? And do I really want our liberal, failing public school system, our kids' favorite entertainment personalities, their 300 social media contacts, and our liberal postmodern thinking press to be their only sources for political insight? Yeah. I mean, it's time we start having these conversations with our kids because if socialism becomes our future— our posterity will inherit a vastly different world than the one we inherited. You know, change for change's sake isn't always a wise idea. I right. like what G.K. Chesterton said about change. He said, before you tear down a fence, you might want to find out why it was put up in the first exactly. place, right? Yeah. So there's a reason people are beating down our U.S. border gates to get in this country, and our kids need to understand that. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, joining us today uh, on Licensed to Parent, by the way, as a man I've known about for years, though this is the first time I've had the pleasure of speaking with him, Dr. Frank Wright was a protege of Dr. D. James Kennedy, who's one of the men instrumental in the founding of the Presbyterian Church in America. When the D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship was established in Washington, D.C., Dr. Wright was Dr. Kennedy's choice to head that up. 
After establishing the center as a force for evangelism and a biblical worldview on Capitol Hill, Dr. Wright served for over a decade as the president and CEO of the National Religious Broadcasters and later president and chief operating officer of Salem Communications. But in 2015, Dr. Frank Wright returned to D. James Kennedy Ministries and is now its president and CEO. He also now hosts its popular Truths That Transform broadcasts. He holds a Ph.D. in finance from Florida Atlantic University. He's an ordained elder in the Presbyterian Church in America, and I'm sure most notably, he's our guest today on License <laughs> to Parent. Trace. Well, Dr. Frank Wright, welcome to License to Parent, brother. Well, thanks so much. It is it is an honor. It is a distinction to be invited to your program because I love the emphasis of helping parents be ready when those windows of opportunity open to speak to their kids, their children, and their grandchildren about what's going on in the culture. If you don't have a biblical framework to right. overlay what we see day by day happening in the culture, it all looks like chaos, but it's not chaos. It may be crazy, <laughs> but it's not chaos. It's by design. Yeah. Well, you know, this this broadcast comes from the perspective of what culture is doing to the worldview of our kids, and that's why the tagline for Licensed Parent is insight for today's culture. Uh, but before we get into high gear here, can you tell us exactly what form of government we Americans have held to in our first two and a half centuries of existence? Because I think, you know, there may be a little Most of us aren't sure anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, there might be a little confusion about this. You know, are we a republic? Are we a democracy? Are we a de- you know, what are we? Well, and you can get into some arguments with well-meaning people about, you know, the specifics of the terms sometimes, but... It was uh, said of Benjamin Franklin that when he came out of the Constitutional Convention that someone asked him that question, what kind of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Meaning that a republic is where the people elect representatives who represent their interests in government on their behalf. And the fallen nature of people was not something that escaped the notice of Benjamin Franklin either, and so he wondered about the longevity of it. I like to say that we live in a constitutional republic. Okay. We, we are in a, in a republic that is where we elect representatives, but the structure of our government is framed by a constitution that itself was crafted in the midst of a biblical worldview. The constitutional framers recognize that man is a sinner in need of a savior and that that fallen nature is something that needs to be accounted for or bad things happen. And historically they saw that. And so they created a system of government with built-in checks and balances, built-in divisions of labor. And you might even say that our constitutional system is patterned after a biblical model, because uh, we sometimes say that Jesus reveals himself, it was revealed as you know, prophet, priest, and king, but he was also revealed in Scripture as lawgiver, judge, and king. Mm-hmm. And so the Constitution breaks our system of government into those three parameters. The legislating uh, function is done by the Congress of the United States. It was deemed by the founders to be the most important function. And the other two branches, of course, are the executive branch, which has to implement the legislation that the Congress creates, and the judicial branch, which, which rules on questions of how the law is applied and how certain cases are are handled based upon the legislative intent of the Congress. 
So they looked at a nation and recognized that if we didn't have these separation of powers, and if we didn't build in certain checks and balances between the different branches of government, we would just end up where the founders had seen Europe go time and time again, and that is uh, a descent into tyranny. Our system is built to recognize our failings as fallen human beings and structure it in such a way as to maximize protections against that. So the Founding Fathers had an accurate premise about the nature of human beings that today's uh, politicians don't seem to have, that, that man is basically evil and not basically good. Uh, but you said we're a constitutional republic. Where did we get the idea and why did I learn in school that we were a democracy? Where does democracy fit in the equation? Well, you know, strictly speaking, from a definitional standpoint, democracy is where one man and one, or one woman get one vote and they get a say in everything. Mm-hmm. But you get, in some cases, very difficult operating structure where uh, personalities come in and factions emerge and so forth. And the founders knew that with a diverse population in the colonies that became the states, the founders recognized that you cannot govern a nation of any size, and quite frankly, a city or a state of any size, with a democratic ideal of everyone having a voice in everything. So a Republican form of government is only one where we elect representatives to represent us as a people, and we hold the representative accountable, and we ask them to go serve in uh, the capacity of lawmaking and so forth. So this idea is one that is by necessity an extension of a democratic ideal, but its implementation is one of a republic. So are the uh, the folks on the left who like the idea of doing away with the electoral college, do they think that we're a true democracy? Have they forgotten the idea of, of a constitutional republic? Or are they wanting to change it? Or they just don't know what they're talking about? I mean, just, uh, keep us up to speed on that. If you go to Capitol Hill today, you'll bump into a congressman or a senator here and there who actually carries a pocket copy of the Constitution in their vest pocket or in their pocketbook. You don't meet much of that on the Democratic side of the aisle. They don't care much for the structure of the Constitution. They believe in... Uh, a living document, uh, sort of, sort of like what, what what they have in Great Britain, and many of our listeners may not realize Great Britain has a constitution, but it's unwritten. It's not it's not written down so anybody can read it. Okay. It's a constitution that's been developed by case law over time, and judges make changes in the structure. Mm of the British nation and government changes. But what happens with that is that the whims or the strength of a different political movement, one way or the other, pushes those things back and forth to where over time you have kind of an anything goes. Uh, What we have is the same thing on our Supreme Court today, the great divide that we talk about between liberals and political liberals and political conservatives is really a divide over the structure of the Constitution itself. Is it a living document that should evolve with the times? And guess what? The Supreme Court justices get to decide how that evolution Mm -hmm. takes place, and they get to shape the future of the nation for us. Or is it a document that governs the nation based on what it meant the wording that the Constitution meant when it was adopted, mm-hmm. not what the framers were thinking, not who thought this about that, and there were different ideas about this, and they settled on that. 
what were the words in the Constitution when it was approved in 1791, and those words were are, are what govern the, our, our structure today. That's what the, the originalists, the strict constructionists, there are different names for the people that hold to that view. That's the political divide in America. In addition to the one that you mentioned of the view of man being basically good versus man being basically evil and in need of repentance and faith, uh, that's the divide in our view of the American government. Mm-hmm. We have a living constitution next week, next month, hey, we can make it say something different. That's how you get gay marriage out of no language in the constitution that talks about it. That's how you get a lot of things that are determined by uh, in the constitution that we have today and the case law have been determined by that very divergence in ideals. Yeah, but we're talking about socialism, and I want to ask you, what exactly is socialism, uh, and are there different types, some better than others? Well, by definition, socialism is the government ownership or control of all of the means of production in society. You know, the means of production are basically land, labor, and capital, In our day, we would talk about technology and intellectual property. There are other ways to look at it. But when the government owns everything or controls it, because control works just as well for them, then all kinds of things happen or don't happen. And uh, when young people today say they are in favor of socialism, my first question to them is, do you realize that under socialism there could never have been a Google a Facebook, an Apple, a Twitter, um, um, a MySpace, a YouTube, Mm -hmm. an Amazon, because under socialism, there's no freedom of capital and therefore no innovation. The hallmark of socialism is the word control. The government ownership and control of the means of production is the definition. In application, though, socialist governments control everything. They control speech. They control where you live. They control what kind of job you're able to take. They control so many dimensions of life. And the one thing that socialism will not stand is a competing authority to that of the government. And so invariably, socialism seeks to destroy the two authority structures you find outside the government, and that is family and the church. The government seeks to destroy the authority of the church because it competes with its own. This, by the way, is the mandate of what are called Marxist socialists. These are the latter-day people who say, yes, 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 socialism has failed everywhere it's tried, but the reason it's failed is because we haven't destroyed the church and we haven't destroyed the family. And they're doing their best to that end so that they believe socialism can rise Mm. out of its ashes to its new utopia. Mm. Dr. Wright, uh, just a, a quick question that I'd like you to answer after the break, but there are a lot of young people that I've talked to who have said, well, you know, uh, Jesus and the apostles, they, they believed in socialism and they lived it out that way. So I'm sure you've got a good response to that thought, but uh, we'll get that in just a moment after our break. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Dr. Frank Wright, the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries and host of the popular Truths That Transform broadcasts. Uh, incidentally, you can find out more about Dr. Wright's work and that of the D. James Kennedy uh, Ministries at djameskennedy.org. We'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this. 
everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find out more about our outreach at LicensedToParent.org. And we're talking today with Dr. Frank Wright of Truths That Transform and D. James Kennedy Ministries about socialism and specifically about how to, to start the conversation about it with our kids. There's such a move now to say that the current form of government in this country is weak, is not good. Uh, I would, uh, by the way, toss in the fact that uh, democracy, I, I think, goes along with uh, with this line, that a camel is a horse designed by a committee. That's what demo- <laughs> that's what pure democracy can get you. But socialism can get you into some trouble, too, as we've been talking about. And, Dr. Wright, I've, I've talked to young people who say, well, the disciples were living a socialist life, you know, where everybody threw in whatever they had into the common pot and no one went without um, – how do you respond to that? Because uh, I've heard that argument time and time again. I've heard that said before, too. Of course, in Acts chapter 5, you see them, them doing exactly that, keeping their, their goods in common, but not all of their goods. Nowhere does it say they gave all of their property in common. It says that they shared as, was, as people had needs. And, uh, but here's the thing. How did they share? They did it voluntarily. Yes. The difference between Acts chapter 5 and socialist governments is the socialist governments put the gun to your head, take your money from you, and distribute it so that everybody has something. Uh, they did it voluntarily in Acts chapter 5. Secondly, look where they brought the money. They didn't bring the money in Acts chapter 5 to the government to distribute. They brought it to the church. Right. 
tell that one to the left today. Yeah, yeah, we believe in socialism. We just like the church to administer it and see how far you get with that idea. Mm. Here's the big... So, so Acts chapter 5 does not teach socialism. In fact, in the famous scenario with Ananias and Sapphira, yeah, I was ask who you came in and, li- and lied to everybody and co- cost both of them their lives, Peter said to uh, Ananias before he died, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit about this? Uh, wasn't the property yours before you sold it? So it was still privately held. No, everybody didn't own everybody else's property. And after you sold it, wasn't it still at your disposal? So Peter makes clear that what they were doing there was not the overturning of private property and the government controlling all these things or even the church controlling all these things. And then, uh, and, and then he also is making it clear uh, that the the issue there was lying to God, not not whether right. because people will say about that chapter. We see those two people; they got struck dead because they weren't cooperating with the socialist mandate of the scriptures. Yeah, well, there is the no point. socialist mandate of the yeah. scriptures, and this is where parents, I think, need to start with their kids on this. The reason you know socialism is not biblical is because it's government theft. Yeah. And it's a it's a violation of the commandment, thou shalt not steal. It applies to individuals that governments don't get a pass on that commandment. Secondly, it was Winston Churchill who said, socialism is the gospel of envy. Thou shalt not covet is the other commandment. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens in socialism. You look around and you see somebody has more and you go, I want that. I want that for myself. Which, by the way, that's one of the funniest things about socialism. If you look historically at it, you'll never see a socialist movement begin in a poor country. <laughs> why, yeah. why would they all want to put their goods in common and, uh, and well, distribute them if nobody anything. has right. anything? Exactly right. right. Yeah. And so what, where does it begin? It begins where there's been a, a system of free enterprise that's allowed wealth to accumulate, and then the leftists come along and say, we need socialism so I can get my hands on that, keep some for myself and distribute right. some to others. So it's a violation of thou shalt not covet. It's a violation of thou shalt not steal. And, uh, and, and quite frankly, you can extend it even as far as bearing false witness because that whole movement is about falsehood. That's a good it's point. about telling lies to people That's a real good to point. advance their, their, their cause. Real good point. We have a booklet, Does the Bible Teach Socialism? And we'll be happy to give it to anyone that would like a free copy. Does the Bible Teach Socialism? All they have to do is go to our website, which is DJKM. D. James Kennedy Ministries, djkm.org forward slash socialism. You know, but kids are always going to cite Denmark and Sweden as the quintessential example of socialism. Uh, <laughs> tell us about uh, the, uh, the deception about yeah, that. Sure. And, and after World War II, they did try to implement socialism in the Scandinavian nations. And it was a failure, by the way. It was a failure. And it only made it as far as it, as it has for a couple of simple reasons. One is that uh, the, these days they're not really socialist governments, but they are, they're a massive welfare state. They have massive high taxation and massive benefits supported by that. But what they have in Norway, for example, is they have North Sea oil revenue that funds a good portion of their budget. And secondly, they have this wonderful 
country, another country outside of Scandinavia that's just so generous, it's decided to fund their national defense for them. Uh-huh. You know who that is, don't you? It's the United States of America. Right. So when some knucklehead says, look at Scandinavia as a socialist example, I say to them, you really can't be serious, are you? Mm-hmm. you? You do realize that it's America that makes those countries possible. They don't realize in the, it. That's in their the current issue. form. Yeah, they don't realize it. That's, that's the problem. They don't. They don't yeah. at all. So, which is why President Trump has been beaten up on European nations to pick up a, a bigger percentage of their own national defense. Fine, after World War II, we probably did need to do that. You know, there was just chaos, mm-hmm. and we, but here we go, 70 years later, we're still paying the freight there, and he's saying enough is enough. You know, we're not the cash cow for every nation on earth. Right. Trump also said that America will never be a socialist country, and you say? Wow. You know, who my, one of my uh, heroes and who I read is our friend Thomas Sowell at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. And he has written more than anybody else to debunk socialism, but he also says, I, I, I think it's an even money bet as to whether or not socialism mm-hmm. takes hold in America or not. All the more reason for it, parents to be having these conversations with their kids. All the more reason. And listen, here's the thing. The only way socialism will take root in America is if the families are weak and the church is weak. Yeah. And the families are weak. You know, in 1960... Seven percent of all live births were to an unwed mother in 1960. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, three years ago, 41 percent of all live births were to an unwed mother, 53 percent in the Hispanic community, 73 percent in the African-American community. Only one out of every four African-American kids born today has a father in the home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the family is weak. And, and, you know, there was a time when the, the Afri- African-American family was spiritually stronger than, oh, than yeah. any other, yeah. And, yeah. Not any, and not anymore. And so they've gutted the family. Mm-hmm. They, when, they, when they came up with no-fault divorce, there's an, exit, an easy exit for anybody that wants to get out of marriage. Mm-hmm. There's no commitment to marriage. And they're trying to gut the church, too. They're trying mm-hmm. to gut the church as well. And the liberal left, they have an agenda to convert mm-hmm. the church to statism to convert the church to being the engine of charity instead of individual charity. It's the global or the uh, corporate approach. So it is important for parents to recognize that the, the defense against socialism is a strong family and a strong church. And I argue that we need to recommit ourselves to the local church. We need to be more dedicated than we are today to the local church. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Frank Wright, the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries, host of the popular Truths That Transform broadcasts. And uh, he's been involved in religious thinking and religious talking for quite a long time through various media outlets, including the National Religious Broadcasters. Dr. Wright, it's been quite a privilege to have you with us today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I, I want to have you back for round two of this because I-, I just scratched the surface with what I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love what you're doing. Uh, Dr. Kennedy used to say, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. If we do Mm -hmm. a better job training our children to be prepared for what they're going to face uh, when they engage the culture, we won't see 60% of them lose their faith in the first year of college the way we see today. Yeah, man. Wow. Incidentally, that resource that Dr. Wright mentioned a moment ago, uh, Does the Bible Teach Socialism? You'll find that on their website, DJKM. That's for D. James Kennedy Ministries, djkm.org. 
forward slash socialism. And that wraps up today's edition of Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And remember, the work that we do on Licensed to Parent and here at our parent ministry, Shepherd's Hill Academy, wouldn't be possible were it not for the prayer support and the much-needed financial gifts from friends and ministry partners just like you. Residential programs are quite expensive, but you can help the work continue and help defray the cost for families who might not otherwise be able to afford residential care through your tax-deductible gift to Licensed to Parent. And you can give at LicensedToParent.org. Your gift in any amount can provide the scholarship money for families who can't afford it and can continue the outreach of this radio program. So please join us today by giving securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click on the Donate button. And as always, thank you very much. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.